I... Oh, Super Church. Lelania's doing this and doing this, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Uh, all right, Super Church kids, you are released to run away. Okay, so today we're going to take a look at some verses that are written to the church of Ephesus. Uh, the epistle of the letters that is authored by Paul was primarily written to the non-Jewish Gentile believers. The epistle, for the most part, was, was encouraging, and it was making it clear that Jews and Gentiles had been brought together in one body in Jesus Christ. You know, of course, that didn't go so well at first. So there was a lot of headbanging going on there. So he's making it clear that Jews and Gentiles are, are, are in one body in Jesus Christ. And he addresses concerns by the early Christians about the gospel being for people, questioning whether the gospel was for people beyond the Jews. And also to whether or not the Jewish Christians held a special status because of their heritage. In this letter, Paul clarifies that they are equal in both first-class citizens in God's kingdom. And in Ephesians 3.6, he says, and this is the secret plan. Gentiles have an equal share with the Jews in all the riches inherited by God's children. Both groups have believed the good news, are both are the same part, a part of the same body, and enjoy together the promise of blessings through Christ Jesus. So he's clear. Both first-class citizens, both are equal, both are saved, both have struggles. And as some Hebrews struggled with breaking away from the Old Testament sacrificial system and all the rituals that came with it, some of the Gentile believers struggled with breaking away from patterns of the world. Both the Hebrews and the Gentiles struggled with former ways of life. So it is in the beginning of this letter the first three chapters that Paul talks about what God has done for them, has done for us. He speaks about the change that comes through accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And when he gets to the last three chapters, he begins to exhort. He begins to urge believers to walk as they should. And he gives some practical application for spiritual principles. And it is in those last chapters that he is encouraging believers to live the life that the Lord wants them to live. To be servants as Christ, of Christ as we ought to be to make godly choices. He gives instructions concerning relationships between husband and wife and parents and children. Talks about the spiritual battle that believers are in. Even writes about the preparation for that battle, you know, putting on the armor of God. He covers much in the way of topics. But it's in chapter 4 that he starts to remind them and he reminds us of the relationship and how it changes with a believer in the world. And not only that, how a believer's relationship changes to the old self and the old nature. And he goes on through that Jesus Christ and truth that the followers of Christ have learned a new way of life. And after accepting, accepting them, this new way of life should come with the way they think and the way they behave should be changed. For those who are struggling with these things, Paul instructs them as how to walk correctly, how to live a godly life, how to operate in righteous thinking and behavior that's pleasing to God. 
And so chapter 4, verse 17, he begins with this. He says, with the Lord's authority, let me say this. Live no longer as the ungodly do, for they are hopelessly confused. Now, let's keep in mind who he's talking to here. He's talking to Christians. And he's saying, live no longer as the ungodly do. Why? Because some of them were. Because some of them were struggling with going back to the things of their former life. Some of them were struggling with things of the world and the patterns of the world. They were making unrighteous choices. And then he moves on to saying why they shouldn't compared to non-believers who are lost. And in verse 18, he starts to describe non-believers and where they're at spiritually. And he says, their closed minds are full of darkness. They are far away from the life of God because they have shut their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They don't care anymore about right and wrong. They have given themselves over to immoral ways. Their lives are filled with all kinds of impurity and greed. But that isn't what you were taught when you learned about Christ. So he goes on, he's explaining, unbelievers make bad decisions because they're spiritually what? Blind. Sin is the direction of their life. Not so for the child of God. When we learned about Christ, who he is, and accepted him, when we received the Holy Spirit, we would change and we did a directional change. Sin was no longer a direction for our life. Because we became new creations in Christ. Our view of the world changed and we began to see things through the eyes of Christ. Not the same for the lost. They do things that they do because they're looking through the eyes of the world, looking through the eyes of selfishness, looking through the eyes of the flesh. They have hardened hearts and minds are shut. And it's not the same for us. So we shouldn't be making these decisions. And the Ephesians shouldn't be making decisions. And he goes on in verse 21, he says, Since you have heard all about him and have learned the truth that is in Jesus. Whoops. Aha. All right. Since you have have heard all about him and have learned the truth that is in Jesus, throw off your old evil nature and your former way of life, which is rotten through and through, full of lust and deception. Instead, there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. You must display a new nature because you are a new person created in Christ and God's not likeness, righteous, holy, and true. So put away all falsehood and, I'll tell, and tell your neighbor the truth because we belong to each other. And don't sin by letting your anger gain control over you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, stop stealing. Begin using your hands for honest work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be encouragement to those who hear them. Do not bring sorrow to the God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he is the one who has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of malicious behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Evidently, some in Ephesus had one foot in the world and one foot in Christ. And listen, it's possible to have one foot in the world and one foot in Christ, but it's a position that's going to come with lots of conviction. Conviction. 
It's going to position that's going to come with chastisement and spiritual consequences. For a Christian, it's not possible to stay that way and live the life that God wants you to live. It's going to be a rocky road. The individuals that Paul is addressing were sealed with the Holy Spirit. They were saved, but they were also making bad decisions that were grieving the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And they were making these decisions, the choices that come from the mind, that are formed and molded by the way we think, moving from our mind to our heart, becoming action. It was, it's wise to remember this. When we get saved and we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, choice doesn't go away after that. As a matter of fact, we're faced with choices consistently. We're ch- faced with choices to follow the word of God. We're faced with choices to go in God's direction. We're faced with choices to pray. We're faced with choices to go to the world or to go to Christ. And sometimes for the Christian, the right choice is a struggle. Why? Because there is this battle that goes on in our minds. There is a battle going on between the natural man and the spiritual man. There is a war between the wants and the desires of our flesh and the spirit who wants us to move in the direction of holiness. And it's in these chapters that Paul gives us the way to be prepared for this battle, to be ready and equipped to make a righteous decision, to make the godly choice in living. And he says, throw off your old evil nature, your former way of life. And in verse 23, instead, there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and your attitudes. In a different version, it says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. This is, and he tells us how to do that. He tells us how to be renewed in our mind. And it comes in verse 21. He says, since you have learned all about him and have learned the truth that is in Jesus. Listen, the word became flesh. It is all about the word of God. When praying for believers in the book of John, Christ prayed this for us sitting here today. In verse 17, make them pure and holy by teaching them your words of truth. The only way to replace error, the only way to replace faulty thinking, the only way to replace incorrect thinking is by the truth, God's truth, and that is the word of God. It is the only way. Paul wrote something very similar to Romans, and he even makes it more clear. In Romans 12:1, he says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. When you think what he has done for you, is this too much to ask? Don't copy behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. Once again, another translation, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Listen, I think we all understand when we get saved, we start seeing things through the eyes of Jesus Christ. We start looking at the world differently. We had compassion when we didn't used to have compassion. We had empathy when we had none. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Both the transformation and renewing are ongoing processes. I don't think we realize that as Christians. But these are ongoing. We are new creations in Christ. But it's so important to understanding 
that this spiritual renewing keeps going through our whole life, day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment. And this is what Paul says is necessary when we choose to live as a Christian, when we want to live as God wants us to live. Not only to turn away from our former life, but to stay away from our former life. Renewing of your mind speaks to the changing power of God when it comes to our minds, our thoughts, and our attitudes. It's important as Christians to be aware that the mind is critical when it comes to our walk. It's where the decisions are made that move to the heart and then move out of the heart to become action. It's in that process in the mind that our choices are molded and informed by the thinking we can be fed by godly principles or worldly ones. The renewing of our mind strengthens that spiritual battle with the spirit against the flesh. And it's all fueled by God's word. For the Ephesians, some were losing the battle that was going on in their minds between the desire for sin and the desire for holiness. Some were losing the fight in their mind between prideful thoughts and the submission to God's will. And this is why we have to be careful here that we don't know people's hearts because we don't know where they're at. They could be very unhappy and saved because they're not living in the joy of the Lord and they're doing everything wrong because they're letting the former life flood back in and control them. And when you look at that person, you may say, oh, they don't know the Lord, even though they've given their life to Christ and they're in, but they're not in now. They're not doing what he wants. They're not submitting to his will and they're suffering for it. Someone like that needs us to step up beside of them and tell them the truth and call them back to the right path of righteousness. To step aside of them when they're going in that direction and encouraging them to read the word and to pray. Instead of get away from me, you're not saved. Better be careful. So they were losing the battle, but it's a battle for them. It's not only a battle for them, it's common to us today. It exists today, and I believe a lot of people find themselves in this battle in the mind when it comes to the direction that God wants us to go because we don't really want to go in that direction. We don't really want to do what God wants us to do. So the natural man and the flesh are going at it. Some people have a hard time operating with the mind of Christ, not allowing their thoughts and attitudes to be renewed. Some people get stuck in that, I'm all saved, I'm all set. Some people don't have the desire to get into the word of God, to learn things that God has from. They don't see the supernatural power of God's word, and they're missing out on what God wants for them. Why do you think he gave us his word? It's his revealed will for us. But it's more than just words on the page, it's power in the word. And for us to move forward and live that abundant life and to get through those battles and those struggles, God's word is there for us to refuel this that's going on here. So our mind can be renewed by the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. And when it comes to those crossroads, we make the right decision. See, without that renewal in our mind, 
For some people, fear takes over. And we start judging everything we want to do by fear or choices we're going to make. Sometimes desires and pride win over the spirit. And you're going to do it better than God. And you justify it in your mind. Listen, you need to be in the word. Because the flesh is winning in the battle. If we're not learning about Christ, if we're not learning the word of God, if we're not letting the truth wash over us, if we're even fighting the truth in our own pride, then our view of the world is not going to line up with God's view of the world. That crystal clear moment when we got saved and we started seeing people and nothing else mattered. All we wanted to do was talk about Jesus Christ. All we wanted to do was share our faith. All we wanted to know was what church God do you want us in? What ministry do you want us to serve in? What do you want us to do? And we were all about that. We didn't even care about our jobs. The jobs actually were a pain in the butt because we had to make a living. And we didn't want to do that. I'll guarantee you that some sitting right here, when they first gave their life to Jesus Christ, they were thinking about becoming a missionary. They were thinking about going overseas, going to the poorest place, doing whatever God wants, just so people would get saved and hear the word of God. Am I wrong? And then we stop backing away from things and the vision gets cloudy. And with it, the spiritual discernment. And with it, the understanding of God. And with it, not knowing God's will for our life. We're not reading it, understanding it, or discerning it. Without renewing of our mind God's truth, we begin to stall in our walk. We begin to stop growing in the Lord. And man, then we make decisions that are just not biblical. And somehow we're okay with it. There are symptoms of stalling. In our walk, and you know, the, the basic one, the one that sticks out the most is we will look at God's instruction and we will know what it says, and then we will do the opposite. And for some reason, we think God's not watching. For some reason, we think there's going to be no accountability for that choice because we're losing the battle here and we've convinced ourselves. We've convinced ourselves it's okay to bebop all over the place and, you know, never get committed and do what we want. And, oh, it's all good because we're, listen, there's a battle going on here. And I'll guarantee you the enemy's firing fiery dots because he is taking you off the playing field. He's taking you off the playing field and you don't even realize it. When God wants to use you for something so much bigger. So we stop listening to God's instruction. We start giving in to the flesh. The emotions and what we desire really start weighing heavily on us. And the justification right behind it of how we can do this and it's okay. And then maybe we even start isolating. Backing up. 
You know, I believe that this is, and I've talked to some people, several people this week about this, the last two weeks actually, and I believe this is the cause uh, when it comes to the battles popping up in our life that we thought were gone, and all of a sudden it pops back up again. Or, you know, the patterns that we used to be involved with in our former life, all of a sudden they're starting to try to creep back in. Or we start to get trapped, start getting trapped in negative thinking again. Or we get trapped in ungratefulness. Start backing away from the things of the kingdom of God. Certainly not seeing things through the eyes of Christ. And it's the worst thing about this, it's like this catch-22. It's like this loop that you get involved with because when you start losing this battle in your mind and you're backing away from the things that God's got and you're backing away from his word and you're giving into the flesh, the flesh starts to justify the actions and you're in this loop and you're not getting out because you're not realizing that, listen, I'm going in the wrong direction. i got to listen to God until you get to a moment where God's going to do something. That's called chastisement to wake you up. To get you out of that loop. Sometimes we're literally not listening. Or we're hearing and not receiving. Now this reminded me of a coaching thing because I coached the high school soccer a long time. And we were in some really intense games over the years that I coached there. And I can remember being, and we got some high school players here, so I, they're going to understand this. But we'd come off the field at halftime, and maybe we're playing with an opponent who's awesome. Maybe we're, we're getting beat up, and we're down a couple goals, and people are just exhausted. And that's a taxi game, takes a lot out of you. And they come down, and they're sitting on the side, and we have like, I don't know, five or ten minutes to talk to them. And as a coach, you're looking for things to say, and you want to lift them up and you want to get them encouraged and rocking and rolling again and you look at them and where are their eyes at the grass because I will tell you what sometimes the game's so hard and so and people are getting so beat up that well, they would probably go in the building at halftime if they had a choice they're done they're done. And right here, they've given up. But their eyes are in the grass. And there's one thing I do coaching-wise, and I'm going to be loud here for a second. One thing I do coaching-wise, you know, I say to this, and their eyes are in the grass, and you're looking to connect, and you say, I'm up here. I'm not in the ground. And all of a sudden, bang, all their eyes are focused on you. And I know for the next 5 to 15 seconds, everything I say is going to go right in here and right in here. And this is where I want to get to with them. I want to get to the heart because I want them to dig down deep when they think they have nothing and they know they have more than they ever thought they could and they get up and they play like a brand new team in the second half. And it happens time and time and time again. And I'm telling you right now, sometimes the Holy Spirit is speaking to us and we're not hearing him. We're not listening to him. We're not receiving what he has to say. So God does, I'm up here, not in the ground. And he does something in our life and he gets our attention so that our gaze goes right back to him and we can get off that stupid loop that we're stuck on. But listen, while we're on that loop, we're missing out. While we're doing the things that God doesn't want us to do, we're missing out. 
We're losing that battle in our mind with the choices that we make. You know, maybe in talking about this, and I have to admit, this is kind of a tough topic because this is the first time I've ever preached about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I don't think I've ever heard that it's an ongoing process and it's something that we have a part in. And we do have a part. Listen, with the armor of God, who puts it on? We put it on. It's there for us. The renewing of the mind is there for us and needed. The word of God is there for us and needed, but we have to use it. We don't have to slip back into the patterns of the world. Paul told the Ephesians, you don't have to live that way. Get into the word. Fill your mind with with God's truth and watch this thinking, thinking go away. Watch the ungodly urges begin to fade. And watch your view of the world come back into a holy focus. You know, when people say, I feel distant from God... God's not moving away. Who does that leave? He's given us all these things to use. He's given us his word to find out who he is and to get close to him. And we don't use it. You know, it's my hope today that as we leave here, that we will have more an awareness of how important the word of God is to our everyday walk, our decision-making process as a Christian how it affects our mind. And I guess we're going to start with this spiritual food because I'm going to reread these three scriptures. Ephesians 4.21 says, Since you have heard all about him and have learned the truth that is in Jesus, throw off your old evil nature and your old former way of life, which is rotten through and through, full of lust and deception. Instead, there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. You must display a new nature because you are a new person, created in God's likeness, righteous, holy, and true. Basically, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, today I'm going to ask you to lay aside those things that are pulling your your attention away from Christ, um, that are preventing you from spiritually doing what you're supposed to do. Uh, We are our own worst enemies sometimes because we let things seep in from the world and dictate what's a priority, dictate what we need to do. And sometimes we choose the world over Christ and we choose this over the word. And we I could just keep going sometimes. And many of us, not many of us, but maybe some of us are struggling with praying. We're struggling with getting into God's word. We're struggling even with coming to church. We're struggling with gathering, gathering together. We're struggling with all these things that God wants us to do. Why? Start with God's word. Then pray. Then let the rest flow. Because once you envelop your mind in God's word and God's truth and it's washing it, the spirit's going to win out over the flesh. And you're going to know God's willing what he wants you to do and be able to make the right choice. Does that make sense? So I'm going to have Kate come up. And this is a little different. I'm going to 
I'm going to have an altar call. I'm going to ask those who are able to come to the altars and to pray. Because this altar call is not just going to be about those who haven't accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But if you haven't, I want to talk to you. You can accept him as your Lord and Savior. Um, this altar calls about recommitting. This altar calls about recommitting. I, I believe God's got a plan for us. God is using us huge. People are getting saved. There's miracles going on. It's been awesome. The Holy Spirit has been moving. And he wants us to recommit. He wants us to refocus. Where are we with Jesus Christ? Where are we with the word of God? Are we selling ourselves short? He wants us to recommit in our marriages. He wants us to recommit everything that we have. He wants us to be the willing, living sacrifices that he's asked us to be. So I would ask you today, oh man, I know it's a long walk from that back row all the way up here. <laughs> yeah, Chase, I'm looking at you. All right. So listen, I'm just going to ask you today, if you're able, come to the altar, press into God, ask him what he wants to do, and recommit in those areas you know you're struggling for you guys who have families, man, something Ryan just said just hit me right between the eyes. You guys who have families should be leading the way. You're the spiritual leader of the household. Lead the way. And I'm going to tell you another thing. Your wife may pray more than you. The wife may make some spiritual decisions. I'll guarantee you, your Christian wife does not want to be the spiritual leader of the household. Amen. She wants you to be. Amen. So take a moment. Come up here. Let's press into God and see what he has to say. Amen.